Welcome back. To... Okay, hear me out. I am Danny Plunkett. My name is Matthew McKay. And I am Joey Meyer. And uh, we got some great stuff to talk about with you guys. Now, we are right around the corner to 2020. 2019 is uh, about to end. It's uh, Christmas time. It's about to the air. About to put a bow on 2019. And... Uh, just looking back at 2019 from a just kind of media and entertainment standpoint, uh, we kind of all asked ourselves, like, what was, like, the biggest event of 2019? And definitely from a film standpoint, uh, we have to say, at least to me, it was uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh, I would agree. It's big. I think, I think the buzz around that, especially the whole push for it being the most successful movie, like, the most uh, earning the most money of any movie of any time, um, I think it was a, a big. It, it was a, such a big deal because it also meant the end of the at least the twenty two films yeah. of twenty two Marvel yeah. films that <laughs> led up to that movie, and that just kind of and just going off of that, we just started thinking about you know when it comes to film, especially in film and the film industry today, I think nobody would disagree that we are in the age of remakes, reboots, and you know connected cinematic universes of movies um mainly because of marvel as well as other you know other movies where there just seems to be not a lot of originality in the film industry happening as much as there are sequels and like spin-offs of popular franchises mm. and to me it's there's good things and bad things about it um and looking at some of like there's some stuff that i really like um I really do love the Marvel movies, but uh, they've kind of been getting old for me. Like, I don't really enjoy them as much as I used to. Um, I mean, I go back 10 years when I was, you know, a lot smaller and a lot more naive than I am now. Um, uh, how much I was like, oh, man, wouldn't it be great if Spider-Man could, you know, fight Iron, you know, be with Iron Man. And then, you know, just seeing it all happen and, like, mm-hmm. it's it's awesome. But... I think to me, it's it's kind of turned movies into a sense where sense of where they can't really be entertaining within themselves anymore. They always have to lead to the next movie hmm. or lead to the next sequel, where these films aren't really being built to tell a story within one film more than to be telling a story throughout multiple films. Yeah. And um, you know, it's making the film industry a lot of money, but in a lot of ways, people think it's killing uh, creativity and just originality in the film yeah. industry. Mm-hmm. You think of a, you think of the structure of a movie as a house. Usually, you'd get the whole house, but you know, with something that was as big as the MCU, they're giving you a brick at a time. They're putting a door on the hinges. You know, Endgame was the roof over their heads. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I think that like. <laughs> It was, take. <laughs> it was very satisfying to see the culmination of the 22 movies because yeah. that was a childhood dream of mine yeah. to see it all come together. Oh, yeah. I knew mine Thanos too. was coming. You know, yeah, like it's right. satisfying. Iron Man we, came out. We all loved 12 it. years ago. Right. And it was I was awesome. nine years old when Iron Man came out. Such a freaking cool I remember. Movie. I remember flipping out at the end of The Incredible Hulk, that movie, when Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark showed up at the end of that film. Oh, my God. Confronting General Ross, and he's like, you know, in his his swag, uh, Tony Stark style, he's like, we're putting together a team. You know? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> little eight year old kid, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was satisfying for sure. I agree. 
Um, but yeah, I after speaking with my older brother Peter, um, Marvel movies have kind of just lost it a little bit. You know, maybe if something particularly, if something might grab me, uh, maybe I'll take the time or money to go see it. Like Doctor Strange has been one of my favorite superheroes for a long time, and, oh, they, I love and they announced Strange. another film for him, and it's like, oh, maybe it's Marvel's first take on a horror film. I don't think that's likely, but. You know, something that really grabs me, maybe I'll take a look at it, but I'm really getting tired of the Marvel formula uh, of just kind of crapping out movie after movie. And, you know, they're all, each of them in their own are pretty good, but... Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely tired. exceptions. I like I think Black Panther, when itself, was a really good movie from start to finish. Um, I disagree. I thought... I didn't think it was... It just felt very, like typical superhero story to me mm. but you know you I, I agree with you to, to each their own it definitely was it definitely was its own superhero story um, I think it I think I just I'm just a huge fan of Black Panther in the comics yeah. that seeing him in a film oh, so cool though um, was really awesome but mm. um, I, I don't really think cinematic universes as much bug me as much as sequels and remakes do yeah like I, I was hoping we would get to this well, yeah because there's 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 definitely like a fine line but it, they're discernibly different and that sequels they feed into each other but it happens in a way that feels much more natural and when you watch every movie in a series like that where there's sequels and not an established universe you can watch one movie by itself and feel satisfied with how it went you know you can walk away from it being like that was cool like that had everything that i wanted it to have and as like a funny example like um dreamworks is awesome with sequels dreamworks they when they have a story and they really have a passion for it and they run with it like their sequels are always so awesome and the thing about their sequels is they don't have to make those sequels they leave breadcrumbs you know um there's definitely that desire to make and uh those sequels but by themselves they're still incredible you think of like you think of how to train your dragon each of those movies by itself is fantastic easily dreamworks best oh franchise. easily easily one of yeah that that is just like an awesome example no of how question. dreamworks does sequels right it's like each of those movies can stand completely on its own two feet but you throw them all together and they're just completely enhanced um you know kung fu panda all of those movies are incredible mm. you you know, by themselves they're great stories and i mean obviously those are a lot more these these are all cohesive in the fact that like to get the full effect you watch all of them but like as standalone movies they're they're great see kung fu panda is kind of my uh if we're gonna just talk about it for a second kung fu panda is kind of my guilty pleasure oh, where I from it. i love it where from a, a filmmaker standpoint as someone who studied that you know making a film they kind of do follow a formula and they're kind of not like the most, you know, groundbreaking movies. No, certainly not. I'm just, I'm just a huge fan of. Gosh, uh, that first movie is one of the funniest animated movies I've ever seen. Oh yeah, Kung Fu Panda one. It usually also, one of my all-time favorite. Also, action-packed. Holy crap! Like, yeah. <laughs> the bridge scene in the, the first the, Kung Fu the, Panda, where he, where he breaks out of the prison. The prison the escape. Scene? Yeah, the fighting in that <laughs> movie is fantastic. Crap. Yeah. Goodness, the music by Hans. Hans that, oh. that movie, I okay. Don't I love get me that started movie. on Hans Zimmer. <laughs> I dude. love that movie. I love that movie, dude. It doesn't deserve that soundtrack. That soundtrack, like it's for, too good for, for it. For Kung Fu Panda, 
like it doesn't I mean, deserve. It's, it's also fitting at the same time. Yeah. Um, well, because they use traditional Chinese instruments too, yeah. <laughs> which is like shout out to Hans Zimmer, man. Um, no, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a great film. Definitely one of DreamWorks' best. But um, in terms of remakes, though, uh, I want to. There's a lot of remakes that are just cash grabs. It's just like so tired of it, man. Like think about like Ghostbusters. Think about like if they try to remake the Goonies. Heads will roll. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Just leave the Goonies in okay. time. They're going to try to bring Josh Brolin back on it, too. I guarantee you. Here's the oh. thing. I'm not a fan of it. The trend's been happening. The live-action re- the, the quote-unquote live-action remakes, which are mostly CGI, mm-hmm. Disney remakes, Aladdin, The Lion King. So for some reason, all directed by John Favreau. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, The Jungle Book wasn't that bad. Uh, the Jungle Book was kind of interesting, but, like... They're all just like taking nostalgia and just kind of making money off of nostalgia. I just like I went to watch the new Lion King, you know. I watched it and I was like, "Wow, it's 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 the first Lion King, except you know, not as animated and fun." Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> people whoop, people yeah. got this like very Silicon Valley like when people watched L- Lion King, they were just unsettled by the fact oh, that they uncan- just uncanny they were Valley. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Silicon Valley is uncan- the TV show. Oh shoot, my bad. Uncanny Valley. I mixed up they're my very, terms. Yeah. But, like, they're just so... They look so much like real animals that, like, there's no illusion there that you're actually watching, like, some kind of whimsical adventure. You know? It's like yeah. they're just lions. I mean, I read recent... Not not super recently, and maybe it was just a BS, like, Reddit thing, but it does, and it's, it makes sense. It seems like we're running out of movies to remake from, mm-hmm. like, the 80s and 90s, um, and directors are having to get... You know, producers, directors, companies are having to get really sneaky and the creative. Newest, you know? The newest Terminator movie just came out, and it was a flop. Yeah, like the... Bombed at the box office. Yeah. Anyways, it's just tiresome. You know, we want we want originality. We want creativity. Um, some other examples. Um, some, some other examples of good movies that, you know, they're good movies, but I wish they weren't there. Where It's like Toy Story 4. I love Toy Story. Like, Such a good movie in itself. To- Toy Story 4 is a good movie. Mm. It is. It is, yeah. But Toy Story 3, like, in a way, a lot of ways, Toy Story 4 kind of goes back. It kind of, like, contradicts the message of Toy Story 3. Yeah. Where, you know, like, Woody, Woody's, Woody's thing is that he was always there, you know, and this is spoilers. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Toy Story 3 or Toy Story 4. Um, you are warned. Um Woody kind of, like, at the end of Toy Story 4 kind of chooses to be with Bo, right? Mm. And, like, not go back to his kid. Yeah. Where Toy Story... Where Woody, throughout all Toy Story 3, was like, guys, we can't just go to Sunnyside. We're Andy's toys. We need to go back to Andy. We need to be there for Andy. And so it's kind of weird that throughout the entire message of Woody being like, we need to be there for Andy, and that's Andy's choice... You know, the him to just be like, oh, I'm going to leave and, you know, stay here with Bo. In a way, though, I think that it gives a nice message that people change no matter how much you think you believe in something. All those toys believed in Andy so much, and he was their life. And then they changed their minds, you know, but... Woody wanted everyone to stay, and then well, I mean, eventually they, Woody changes his mind. Well, I mind, mean, all those you know? all those toys changed their they changed their minds because they felt betrayed. They felt like Andy was going to throw them out. That was the whole the, the whole 
premise of that in Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they found out that Andy wasn't going to throw throw them away, they were they like, we got to get out of here. They all felt bad. They're like, yeah. guys, we got to get back. I mean, so that was like, I mean, if anybody rejects you, you're going to you're not going to want to stay there, you right, know. Right, right, right. Yeah. I guess I just I just like the <laughs> it's funny that they're talking about like intense human emotions mm-hmm. through toys you know yeah but i do like the fact that they touch on like it's a beautiful irony people people change and there's almost nothing you can do to help it other than to like try and make the process as easy as right possible, to just be there you know? i think be the, present i yeah. think the story is really good i think it's a fun movie i think that it should have been with different characters it shouldn't have been toy story mm. Like, I love the message. I love how fun it was, but I felt like it kind of goes against, like, the entire series, the theme of the entire series that the toy, like, because the toys are always there for Andy. Like, right. they always get separated from Andy. They always try and get back to Andy. Um, and, and what's the they name? That aspect what's of the name of, like, the new? The Bonnie. New, Bonnie, yeah. yeah. Bonnie, you know. And Bonnie is just, like, the, the new Andy, just mm-hmm. because in Toy Story 4. And Woody just kind of, like, abandons her to me yeah. it just okay. it just didn't it just didn't leave a good taste so basically the gist of it is remakes and sequels are tiresome you know mm. yeah star wars oh don't get us started that's a whole nother episode I star think, for no us. star wars <laughs> yeah, another re- episode for sure star wars is within itself it's a remake and a sequel because if you watched uh what is it what was the seventh one last uh, jedi yeah last jedi no, 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 not not that one. Oh, the Force Awakens. The Force yeah, Awakens. It was just a you watched The Force Awakens, it was just, it was episode four, remade. Mm-hmm. It was a remake yeah, of episode the, four. It had the same skeleton of a plot, you know, like yeah. it, this, all the same major key points were there. And it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, it's it's like, oh, the Empire is defeated. Now this new empire that's bigger and has a planet sized death. Oh, I just. <laughs> Oh, it's just like where'd they come from? Didn't they just finish taking care of these people? What happened? Yeah, yeah. no, I get it. So, So a lot of it's just cash grabs. I mean, like Star Wars, you know, making making money and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, like the new Jurassic Parks. uh, Just we're in the age of remakes. We're in the age of age of Despicable Me. It can't just be Despicable Me anymore. There was there has to be two, three. Mm And then, then the spin-off movies with yeah. the minions. Well, this was uh, – I'm sorry to cut you off. This was mentioned before we actually started uh, this episode. And frankly, I'm, I'm very upset because uh, in 2022, DreamWorks is planning on releasing a fifth Shrek movie. Um, they're, they're picking the series back up and rebooting it. And I have a lot of opinions about Shrek as a series, honestly. Um, guy on YouTube, shout out to Shafrilis uh, Productions. He makes some great uh, – film analytical videos and he's got this video essay on uh why shrek the third is so disappointing but why shrek the fourth uh redeemed the series so well and and put such a nice bow on it and ended things so properly and to see that like you know people like shrek that's a thing so shrek 5 here we go you want to know what i've heard though is that shrek 5 is actually going to be a remake of the first movie really yeah so i don't i'm not even going to touch that because i don't know (laughs) what that's going to look like that's actually a lot worse Hmm. because shrek Shrek 1 literally only came out like 20 years ago we don't know enough yet to even make a right they haven't i mean they haven't even said that's all speculation there's nothing that's actually been officially said it's still you know, it's still a couple years off, but I will say that Shrek 
3 was really, really bad, didn't contribute anything to the series. Shrek 4 was an immense improvement, ended the series super well, and I'm really sad to see that they feel the need to keep doing that because DreamWorks is usually good at, like, knowing when to stop a story. No, the thing is, when, when it comes to remakes and, like, sequels and stuff, mainly I like them if they are bringing something new mm-hmm. to the series that... And not something like something new to be different, but something that, like... The add-on to the series that couldn't have been done before. Like, yeah. an example would be War of the Worlds. You, the original War of the Worlds film, that remake, being able to, to put to recreate that movie with modern CGI is one of the most scariest, frightening things. Those tripods are really... It really brings, like, the horror of War of the Worlds. Dude, the original one caused a nationwide panic because they pranked everyone by playing it on the radio. Yeah, they they, they, they told the story on the radio and actually people committed suicide and people actually went into freaked mass. Out. Seri- it, it was like a national thing. And <laughs> and that's why like in and out commercial breaks and stuff, if there's like stories that like that, like they had to like it was mainly because of that that they had to like uh let people know that, like, yeah, this is just a story. This isn't mm-hmm. real. Because people thought it was an actual news broadcast and it was actually like a Twilight Zone kind of uh you know, story time on the radio. And, I don't know, being able to see that with, like, modern CGI. And a recurrent example, movies aren't that great, you know, like, on a story base-wise. But the new Godzilla movies that are coming out, you know, I know there was one made in the early 2000s, not good at all. You know, all of the Godzilla movies, you know, all the originals are iconic for what they were. Mm. But, like, just seeing the new Godzilla ones that have, like, just top CGI because it's not like it's staying to the formula of being a movie that's focused around giant monsters fighting each other but and and it sticks to that but with the new CGI and like animation that it has in it it makes it a new entertaining movie because it takes something that wasn't done that well due to the, the limitations at the time and the technology that it remakes it and makes it you know better and it's, it, you could say the same thing could be done with Star Wars, but I don't see anything in Star Wars that like really like pushes the limitations of the new technology no. of like new technology and stuff and all oh, that. Oh, and this is a great this is a great point because like a lot of the charm about the original Star Wars movies, besides the fact that they were narratively interesting, there was good world building, like there was clearly a lot to unpack there, was it was praised for practical effects. Like it was, in, it was innovative because George Lucas was very innovative, you know, because he as a person was able to uh, take like this idea of playing with perspective, like this Charlie Chaplin thing of like using as as much like assistance as possible to create the world around you without like necessarily having that. And, like that was what was so cool about Star Wars. There was so many great practical effects and stuff. And now that we're in an age of, like, CGI and, like, it's visually super impressive, but everybody does that with movies now. Every movie does CGI. It's a CGI contest. It would have been really cool and impressive to see, like, an amount of an amount of practical effects that is uncommon for the time. Like if it was some that that's something that they could have revisited in Star Wars and improved on with modern technology is they could have made really cool practical effects. Like they could have made more lofty practical effects that like played off the idea of Star Wars better, but they just kind of went with like a very sleek CGI angle, which has its its merits, it has its benefits, but I think when I think about Star Wars I think about like 
I think about practical effects. That's one of the first things that comes to my head. Hmm. So in conclusion to me, I think when I think remakes and sequels and especially like Endgame, why Endgame was so big and I think it deserves the hype that it got is because like you said, Matt, it was like a childhood dream of yours, you know. It was a dream of mine as well to see all these superheroes together from multiple movie franchise in one. And I think like I championed that movie because it did something that's never been done before. It can it can like the combination of all these different movie franchises together, you know, is for something that was never done before and you know really innovative for the, for the time. You know, it's never you know I, I think that's why it's okay in that sense that Endgame ended the way it was. I don't really I think Marvel movies now should be focused more within themselves instead of building towards another Endgame. Um, but like sequels, remakes, and stuff. I'm okay. I'm okay with them if they if they aim to bring something new to the franchise, not to just be different or not to make money, but to take the original idea and concept that it had and to improve upon that same concept that that makes those movies special. To mm-hmm. me, that's where I think remakes and sequels are warranted and actually should be needed hmm. to be made. Yeah. All right, um, uh, so uh, 2019 is wrapping up, um, and for that we each have a specific uh, event or uh, piece of media entertainment that we feel was very iconic in 2019 and kind of you know sums up 2019 for us. So I'm actually going to go to Matt first. Mm. Um, Shaking it up, are we? So Matt, um, what is your like event of 2019 um i was really racking my brains trying to think of something um that kind of shook media and i honestly found it tough to you know maybe uh, you know Endgame was big uh honestly as we've been saying it really um you know it achieved something that had been planned for a long time and i think it was just a matter of timing that 2019 fell into that but in terms of really trying to perfect something that a lot of people have wanted for a while that's why i picked the film joker Mm. as one of my favorite parts of 2019 in terms of media that's a good choice um joker is the perfect character uh, the perfect villain i think to like try and make an accurate representation of because he's so difficult to do that for. Um, and people for so long have been wanting good villain movies. Um, and now, did Venom come out this year or last year? I think it may have been Venom, early this Venom, year. Venom came out last year, I believe. Was it last year? Let me check. I'll um, check the sources well, here. If Venom was first, then, you know, pro- yeah, props, it came to, out them, last year. props that- to them for trying to do something first. But I think that Joker um, maybe had a bigger production value. I don't know. But it did something spectacular that people wanted. Really they had Joaquin good, Phoenix. Really good villain movies are what people want. Yeah. You know, We're, yeah, we've I, seen all the superhero movies. What we want now are our favorite villains on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't so really I say cool. I wouldn't really say more of the. Vi- I think Joker was the first step towards a villain. I think Joker is the first villain film, like movie that really focuses on the villain. Yeah. 
that okay. is like yeah, a, that is like well made. Yeah, I guess story. Venom is more of like an anti-hero kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's because even sometimes Venom will team up with Spider-Man for mm. stuff. And it's it's been a transition into that because I think the first groundbreaking anti-villain movie was Deadpool. Mm-hmm. That's true. Deadpool wasn't supposed to work. No. You know the only reason why Deadpool was made was because Ryan Reynolds leaked like the pitch trailer that they. <laughs> Like they they did the trailer for Fox and Fox is like no that's that's too too violent too gory and then Ryan Ryan Reynolds leaked that the video they used to try and pitch Deadpool <laughs> and on YouTube it, it blew up it 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 went crazy and Fox had to make it and they had made to. it and they would have been idiots not to make it, it people was, would have hated it it was genius yeah. by Ryan Reynolds and actually yeah. people still don't know who leaked it my guess is that it was Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Okay. Or his agent, at least. Yeah. yeah somebody leaked the guy, it. The guy is a lot more clever than I think people give him credit for because, like, he's he's very goofy. That's very kind of the man, air he yeah. gives off. Yeah. But, like, he's got he's got a mind for business, and I think I think he knows it. But, yeah, Joker Joker was definitely – Joker definitely made a splash. Yeah. Um, I think Joaquin Phoenix is going to be uh, considered for – So uh, many awards. So many awards, yeah. He, he is incredible. He knocked As it out of the park. As a method actor. Just very, very, very tough role to follow up uh, Heath Ledger's portrayal in The Dark Knight. Right. Um, and, and like you said, yeah. Matt, that was probably the first comic comic book movie that mainly focused on the villain. I mm-hmm. may be wrong, but the it's villains, definitely the most memorable. I, I'm, I'm trying to think, and I maybe I'm just spacing, but I can't think of anything that's specifically focused on the villain's story, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of psychological implications with that movie as well. A lot of uh, violence that people are tying to that movie. That that's that's probably the biggest reason for me why it made such a big splash. It was it was kind of uh, a really bone chilling movie to watch, you know. We don't talk about Suicide Squad. That one doesn't count. Yeah, Suicide Squad. I mean, it wasn't because it's another anti-hero movie. Yeah, you know, they basically they basically are you know anti-heroes. It's mm-hmm. not really setting up a villain you know somebody that you that joker is the movie is portrayed as this is somebody that you should not root for yeah. this person's actions that they take are not good yeah he's irredeemable but it's still you, a story you pity him a lot it's but... you pity him but you still don't excuse his actions yeah. which in suicide squad and deadpool and stuff and all that you're like oh he's funny oh blah 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 you know whatever you know in a way, they're just like, oh, they're kind of justified. You know, mm-hmm. they just they just kind of you know just play, they're, they're, play things a little darker. Yeah, yeah. Where Joker, it's like there's still the theme of like this is wrong. He's doing it. You understand why he's doing it, but it's still wrong. You know. Mm-hmm. Very very interesting take. Very interesting movie. I think uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely have to see how it does um, uh, during award season. But yeah, really good pick, Matt. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Joey? Um, what do you got? My what 20, do you got for us, my, baby? My 2019 head turner. Hope you're holding <laughs> on to your chairs for this one. Yeah. Buckle up, boys. Here for we me, go. It is, it is a big revival in the future of 2D traditional animation, a movie that Netflix is distributing um, from an independent director from his own studio, formerly worked for Disney. It's a movie called Claws. And just got released uh, November of this year. And it is the first traditionally animated film that um, was released by Netflix. I mean, clearly one of the biggest traditionally animated films to come out in a very, very long time. Um, 
and this movie is pure magic. Like it is, it is beautiful, and it's a great sign that there's still a lot of hope for traditional animation in a world where people are feeling kind of starved of that sort of thing because Disney at this point has switched over to fully 3D animation. Their last traditionally animated movie was Winnie the Pooh in 2011. So, shoot. Yeah. Wait, when did when did Princess and the Frog come out? 2009, two years oh, prior. Oh, shoot. Winnie the Pooh did come out. After yep, that. that Winnie the Pooh movie was, that one was the good. last traditionally animated Disney film. And uh, the director of this movie, um, Sergio Pablos, he actually was a former Disney employee, worked on several films, worked on Tarzan, Beauty and the Beast, Hunchback. Um, oh, wow. He also recruited uh, James Baxter, huge name in Disney animation. Um, he was a part of the, the Disney renaissance of animation. He worked on Claws as well. Um, and I think what stands out to me so much about this movie is not only is it traditionally animated, but um, they really wanted to fight hard to break some of those norms of traditional animation. So, like, they wanted to do something that was classic, but something that was modern, too. And so what they did was they did um, this unique, like, volumetric lighting, um, they did this really, really cool, like nuanced way of coloring that just kind of, it, it makes it look as if it's almost 3d, but it's traditionally animated and it's mind blowing. Uh, I just think like this is, this movie, in my opinion, has poised itself to be like an instant holiday classic. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it exists on a platform ne- like Netflix of all things is massive for traditional animation. And it's like a great sign that that art is still alive and well. Mm. So that was my head turner for 2019. Mm, cool. Yeah, I, ho- I, you, I was going to say, yeah, this, we also... This is my podcast, no. I hate when my dad's fight. We'll smooch and make up later. I think other things, like, I think you brought this up, other traditionally... Hey, that's for our Patreon donors, dude. Yes, that's the... Five dollar a month. Subscription. <laughs> yeah. Um, you hey, perfect that. timing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for a small price of ten ninety nine a month. Um, another. An- you you mentioned Primal by Jendi. Yes, Primal. Another oh came out this year, so and I cool. think we're all big fans of him. I haven't watched it yet, um, but that's another you know thing I mean, to know. Who doesn't, for 2D who doesn't love Samurai Jack? I mean, come on, <laughs> come Dude, on. Oh my gosh, Clone Wars, Star Wars, and Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. This this guy's. A, his directorial skills, he's a genius. <laughs> he just he knows how to set a mood. Aside from that, another hopeful thing for 2D animation that came out this year, if people haven't seen it yet, is the Green Eggs and Ham show on Netflix, mm. um, which I heard was one of – it's the most expensive show that Netflix has ever made per episode. Wow. You're kidding. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, I would have never known. Yeah, right? Uh-huh. It takes that much to you know, make 2D animated movies, so it's kind of – it's impressive that Netflix put that much money into it. And I hope that they reap the rewards from that and that they understand that people want to watch, you know, uh, 2D animation. So those are just two other things to add to Joey's yeah, oh my highlights. Gosh. For the I didn't even realize that about Green Eggs and Ham. That's massive. It's the most ex- uh, maybe that's me blowing it out my butt, but <laughs> I've heard it's the most expensive I mean, if series that, Netflix If that and Claws are both traditionally animated, then they're both going to be super expensive because that's an expensive process, no yeah. doubt. We just hope they make a difference. Yeah. Danny? Yeah, and, and even going off uh, the 2D animation um, mm. uh, thing, I think a big game, I know it was big last year, but uh, uh, an indie game, Cuphead, 
that used all hand-drawn animation, you know, kind of 1930s, 1940s style hand-drawn yeah. animation. You know, it took forever to make, but you can't help but admire the, just the creative, you know, uh, artist, creative Man. and artistic, you know, like a, just a, like a homage to, uh, homage to, you know, just the, the cartoon, the, the kind of rubber hose cartoons of the, of the past. Yeah. It's really something that, you know, it was really unique within itself, but also like something really admirable. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of 2D animation and, uh. Um, I think we're going to see some more 2D animated stuff, maybe not from the big um, uh, uh, the big uh, networks, you know, networks in the film industries, but uh, definitely a lot of indie stuff that, you, that you'll, you'll see some 2D animation. I, uh, I definitely tip my hat to Netflix, though, for being one of the titans of, of modern media streaming and to release both uh, Green Eggs and Ham and claws on their platform that's i mean that's big bonus points for them they're clearly doing something right over there it's bold you know yeah very bold paid off though i think it paid off very much so all right and uh switching over to me i'm gonna cheat a little bit uh for my kind of uh big event of 2019 i'm gonna go with uh the video game super smash bros ultimate Mm. um it was released then December 7th of 2018, I believe. Uh, yep, December 7th, 2018. But this year's kind of been the year of Smash Ultimate. Oh, yeah. Smash Bros. It's been... It's where it's become its own, you know? Yeah, I believe it won... Uh, was it best, like, multiplayer fighting game of uh, of the Game Awards this year? Uh, I, I think know, so. I know Maybe. it won some awards of the... Of, uh, some awards of the... <clears throat> the year, but... I yeah, think, it won it won best fighting game of the year this year. Yeah, see now, Smash Ultimate to me is something that's going to be revolutionary, something that's changing in the process of making entertainment for others, in the sense that studios are listening more to what the fans want and creating what they want. Smash Ultimate was created as a game to, to please all the fans, to please as many fans as possible. They put in all the characters that have ever been in the game, they put in all the stages, all the music, you know. It's something they didn't have to do, but yeah. something that they've been doing. And they've been adding uh, downloadable characters of fan favorites from, from uh, game characters that aren't even a part of Nintendo and putting them into the game in order to please fans. Like, the, like you really feel with Smash Ultimate, that their number one focus isn't making money; it's make it's doing it for the fans. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say Nintendo's it, Nintendo is just as in love with their with their uh, with their fan base, their community. Yeah, as as much as we're in love with them. And I will say Nintendo is very much in love with money, just like any oh, other that's big true. Oh, yeah. like any corporation. But they understand that by giving the fans what, what they, they want, want they they'll, get, yes. they'll reap the money without having it's to so try. It's so simple, you know? right? Yeah, and other companies are picking up on this. Like, if you look at uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie that's currently in production at the time of this podcast, um, they've released the first trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog, and let's just say that the fans were not happy with the way Sonic looked at all. Um, yeah. And there was such a public outroar about this that um, I believe it was Paramount Pictures that is making the movie. Mm-hmm. They actually released that they're going. They were going to completely redesign Sonic from the ground up in the movie to try and make him more fan friendly. And they released a second trailer, and it was like night and day. 
I don't I don't know if you guys seen that trailer or not. It, he looks fantastic. It was it was so much better than the first one. Like it was. Gosh, that thing was like in my nightmares the first that, yeah. that first night. Yeah, that first it, trailer. I Ugh. I love that you're bringing this up, and I think like many things that we've we've had in conversation so far, this this will be something for another episode because, uh, you know, our, our good pal Phil that we mentioned before, he he feels that the redesign for the Sonic movie was actually not the best move. He uh, I think he doesn't necessarily like the idea that people have that much power over what creative minds will do just for the sake of making something successful. And I think like when you think of uh, when you think of good movies and bad movies, people can still think about bad movies or movies that made them cringe a little bit and they can look back on them fondly and they can have a laugh about them and they can have an impact in an interesting way. And I think Sonic will still have an impact in its own interesting way because it's a really well-animated movie, and I think it's going to be a fun watch. Yeah. But I think we are missing out on a little bit of magic of like just the fact that there was going to be that as a full-length movie, <laughs> and it would have been out in the world forever. I, I personally hope, really hope, Somebody gets their hands on a release. Some of the, of the original, original one. Some of the original. Because I want to watch the original one. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the redesign. It's gonna be an awesome film. But I'm, I would. I'm also like fingers crossed, <laughs> hoping. You know. I want to see. Wishing on Sonic. shooting stars that I'll be able to see some ugly Sonic too <laughs> in the near future. Yeah, but just the. I think just the emphasis towards taking taking franchises and stuff that people know. Um. And just giving the fans what they want in right. that, in, okay, in that sense, I think if you're gonna write an original character with an original story, you know, yeah, you can go to town however you yeah, want yeah, and yeah. make it as original. It's a whole other monster. But when you're adapting something like Sonic the Hedgehog, something that's well known by people for well, generations, and with an iconic design that hasn't changed at all because it just works yeah, that it's, well. It's been like <laughs> it's been like tweaked, but like it hasn't like. Right, changed. he's he's been a different shade of blue. His shoes have been a little bigger, maybe, yeah. but like it's nothing's like, really then, changed that and much. And then you give us that in the first trailer, you know, something yeah, that looks yeah, incredibly yeah. realistic that shouldn't look realistic. I mean, dude, the teeth alone were enough to kind of oh. turn me on. It, it, it was the teeth. <laughs> it was the teeth for me, it for was, sure. To me, I think it was a good move. But anyway, he looked like he likes uh, gnawing through cables. <laughs> anyway, but getting getting back to it, I I think just the it was kind of the first game to really put an emphasis on what the fans want mm. and not making something, you know, that can, it like, it, it makes money and it makes money because it's what fans want and people buy it. But, you know, I think it's a real emphasis towards, you know, giving, like, showing the fans what they want and, like, giving an homage to these characters that all these fans enjoy and respect. Mm. And even, like, the redesign of a lot of characters in Smash Bros, bringing them back to, like, how they looked, you know, in like their most popular games, like um, the redesign of uh, Ganondorf to make him look like how he was in Ocarina of Time, Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. Great move by Nintendo. You know, it's it's stuff like that. It's putting in little care like that, remixing original songs that are updated but still have the same charm and feel of the original games they were in. You know, it's stuff like that that I think is it's going to be iconic for gaming moving forward because I think there's going to be a lot of games that are going to pay attention a little more to what fans have to say and like, and what fans really love about those characters and really try and portray those um, uh, in the games that they make. Hmm. So anyway, we are running out of time, but real quick, um, 
Each of us, uh, since it's almost Christmas time, we're just going to go around and say our favorite Christmas song. Uh, Matt, what's your favorite Christmas Mine song? Mine is Silver Bells. I think the version is by Bing Crosby, I think, mm. who makes my favorite version. Um, it's just a very, very melodic, calming uh, song that kind of reminds you the peace of Christmas, I feel like. Okay, so there's there's quite a few. This was a tough choice, but mine is also a Bing Crosby classic. It's Bing Crosby's rendition of White Christmas. That is uh, that has entered the hearts and homes of many American families for many Christmases, and that will not change. All right, mine is Oklahoma Coming Manual, just because I love. Um, I believe the song was actually a rendition of a Gregorian chant before it was made oh, into Oklahoma cool. Coming Manual, and I just love kind of the haunting nature of it. You know, I just, to me, just the dark, like, haunting nature of Welcome to Emmanuel. It's one of my, I don't know, it just, it's just the kind of song that sticks with me. You know? They're like, it's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of really joyful, like, really jubilant Christmas songs, too. But I like, I like the Christmas songs that kind of, like, express the gravity of the situation. Exactly. Just like, this is a big deal. Yeah, Welcome to Emmanuel and Oh Holy Night are my two Yeah. Christmas songs in general, man. Those are just like a genre all on their own. Absolutely, they are. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Yes, sir. Um, this is the OK Hear Me Out podcast. I'm Danny Plunkett. 2019. <laughs> I'm Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, 2019. I'm Dad. Uh, I'm Joey Meyer. All right. And uh, we wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. And mm. thanks for tuning in. Adios. Don't eat too much candy. Yeah, don't eat too much candy.